Tonight, let's take it back to our roots to bring you a wild true crime case that will be sure to get your blood pumping. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. This episode features a lot of talk about kidnapping, rape, and brutality to women. If you cannot handle that, we understand, and we will catch you next time. If you are ready for it, then let's get into today's episode. Alison, during your talk, you read a beautiful poem by a poet, uh, Lauren Jacobs, and you're going to be sharing that with us today. Um, Would you read it first, please? It's called I Am Woman by Lauren Jacobs. I am woman. I choose to be undefined, undefeated, but despised, rejected, dismembered, disgraced, maltreated. But I am woman, unafraid to be seen. I am me. A woman and everything that means. Unafraid, handmade, warrior, ruler, poet, queen. Boldly powerful, with a need to be seen. This is woman. Take a look and see. Object, subject, beaten, silenced, but still undefeated, queen. I am woman, possessing a powerful form. Victorious, impassioned, courageous, spirited, formidable. She is woman and all that means. Captain, healer, fighter, a freer, impassioned, emblazoned, powerful, whole. I am woman, a spark inflamed, crowned with glory. This is all of me. She is woman, poet, ruler, warrior, queen. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm Athena. And I'm Kylie. And this is Cryptic Soup Podcast. CSP. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um what's up kylie i don't know this is our first ever recording not being roomies anymore yeah it's a little weird i had to like plan Plan it it. yeah i had to be like (laughs) so when do you uh what time you want to record you want me to swing by the old uh the old house stead you know you want me to swing (laughs) on in (laughs) do you still got my mic hooked up yeah yeah i wouldn't do that Mm mm-hmm like real people, like normal, normal yeah. people. Normal people that don't live together and record like every other podcast ever. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> Suckers. Takes Wait, getting well, used we're to. one of them now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the point. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have much tonight. No, I don't like that. It's really, really cold outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed to be like 56 degrees next Thursday. So I am holding on to that hope. Yeah, I picked the dead of winter to start moving. Yeah, literally the worst. <laughs> it was iced and snowed as i started to have to like put stuff in the vehicles and also that means like as i'm having all these chemicals in my house i'm like okay time to open up the windows to get fresh air okay my house is 33 degrees (laughs) and your front steps were just literal ice (laughs) it's been a great great event over at my house casa de shithole is doing great it's doing great no, I bought a fixer upper, guys, and I'm in the process of fixing it up, fixing it up. <laughs> it's going great. Um, but yeah, you guys will eventually see some before and after is just like not yet because it's embarrassing. Anyways, uh, I don't know if I have much else. Do you have much else? No. 
Big shout out to one of my favorite podcasts I was listening to today, which is Crime Scene and Cupcakes. I was listening to the Dolly episode. It's really good. The, uh, a big reason why I wanted to talk about them, though, is because they did an episode coverage on the Athena Brownfield episode. The one where we talked about the little girl, they have a full episode about it. So someone was asking for a further update about that. And I think you should pop on over because they have more info than anyone else I know. And that they they um, their host, Marianne, she has a lot of really good info on it. So. I think that's it, though. That's the yes, I got nothing. Hmm. That's it. Yeah, it's been an insane week. Miley Cyrus released a new song. Flowers. Flowers. Yeah. And it was like top rated. It's a bop. I like it. I mean, I like it. I've always thought she's a decent music artist, though. Like, I like her stuff. I like jamming. Jamming. Jamming out. Yeah. Getting hardcorely cool with it. I feel like there was something that I did want to say in this little intro about something that I saw on TikTok or something. But now I don't remember it. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Has anyone seen what Drake <laughs> Bell is doing with his life? No. Okay, so you know how Drake Bell got um, in trouble because he admitted that he was into child pornography and grooming and all that stuff. And like mm-hmm. he admitted to it and he lost his court case because he, you know, he became pled guilty. Yeah, he pled guilty. Yeah. This man moved to Mexico, dyed his hair, and he now is fluent in Spanish and he is a super famous Spanish slash Mexican slash wannabe Latino. He pretends he's Latino musical artist. And he is so famous. Like he sells out his concerts down there and stuff. And he like, there's photos of him with fans and like him doing his concerts. And like, he's a huge fucking deal. Fucking wild, right? That's insane. And like his fan base is younger women too, still. And yeah. I'm like, bro, 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 bro. <laughs> like, oh my God. I saw this and I was like, I saw a TikTok about it. And I was like, no fucking way. I started doing some digging. Yo, you guys. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, that's all. What color is his hair? Uh, it was so dark. It's either so dark brown, it's black, or like it is black. I can't really tell because in the sunlight, it kind of looked like a reddish toned black. But then in some photos, it looked straight black. And then other times it kind of looked like dark brown. So it could have been like I saw different versions of it fading out or maybe he was Didn't one of those. originally have dark brown hair? He has like dark reddish brown hair. Huh. But like it could have also been like maybe he's one of those people where he's like, I'm not sure if I want to commit to black hair. Like I'll keep going darker slowly by slowly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. But it's wild. Y'all f- fucking learn about Drake Bell right now because that's just wild. Oh, I remember. Did you know that Rebel Wilson okay. is Owen Wilson's daughter? What? <laughs> no. Wait, really? The things I learned. Yes. Did you know Woody Harrelson? His father was a famous hitman and went to prison for murdering people. You would know those things. (laughs) I think that one's wild. That is wild. But that's crazy. Did you know right after we talked about the Scientology episodes and we talked about Elvis Presley's daughter, Mm -hmm. they now made uh, a, a documentary about her and stuff. I feel like that always happens to us. <laughs> like, I don't That happened to us with the Tinder thingies. Yes. Every time Tinder we've swindler. done something on accident. Yeah. 
So get out of our heads. It's okay. fine. You know, we're smart. But like, and include us in on it. Yeah, right? <laughs> give, us, <laughs> give us the cloud, okay? We just want to be a part of it, man. <laughs> so, okay. Well, that was a fun intro. That was a lot of stuff. This is what happens when you don't see each other for a week. Yeah. It'll be, it'll, it'll get more and more interesting <laughs> as the time goes on. It really will. We haven't even really talked the whole week either. Like Kylie mm-hmm. and I have just been so busy. I think me saying hello through a doorway yesterday was the most we've talked in like three days. And I didn't even see Kylie because you needed a shower. Yeah, I don't have a shower at my house. Long story. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about the Allison Botha case. Have you ever heard about this one? Nope. You've never heard it even? I've heard of Botha. Okay. <laughs> Probably because of you, though. Yeah. I feel like I no, I don't I don't know anything. So this case is um, a 1990s case. So good year. Good year in the 90s. Well, you know, good decade. I mean. So on December 18th, 1994, Allison Botha, which I've heard pronounced Botha and Botha. Some people really go hard on the H and some don't. I list I watched the documentary that Allison and Allison's family talking and either she said Bota and her family said Botha or backwards. And I was like, well, that didn't help me either. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait a minute. What? It's both. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Botha, but I might be incorrect. So, so Allison was abducted near her home in South Africa. By the end of the night, she had been raped, cut, stabbed, attacked, disemboweled, and had her throat slit left for dead. Wow. Ooh, I liked the noise you made. I can't do it again. You sounded like Saber. Wow. <laughs> You're kind of like a frog purring. <laughs> it's, it's a mixture between a cat purring and a frog croaking, and I like it. And Saber howling. And Saber, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> yes, it is. So Allison was born on September 22nd, 1967. She is a Virgo. That is Tom Felton's birthday. What a great day. And that is also National Dear Diary Day. Interesting. Yeah. I feel so like it should have been weird Tom days. Riddle's birthday. What? Oh, what did you say? I said there's some weird days out there. Oh, I was going to say it would have been funnier if it was Tom Riddle's birthday. Get it? Like, yeah. The, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, She was born in Port Elizabeth. Oh, my gosh. I found something out. <laughs> This has nothing to do with anything. But you know how my favorite book series ever is the after series? Mm -hmm. And then they made the movies and they're terrible, but I still love them. But Mm -hmm. no one should ever watch them. Mm -hmm. The guy that plays the main character in those was young Tom Riddle from the Harry Potter movies. And I didn't know that. Like the little kid version. And that was like the the first actual child. version. Yeah. And that was like his first ever star roles. Isn't that weird? Only... only you care about this i have the most useless information (laughs) on the planet thank you i know i've met me i know who i am i've met me (laughs) moving on so she was born in port elizabeth south africa and that's also where she grew up port elizabeth is a city on the algoa bay in south africa's eastern cape province it's a beautiful city known for its numerous beaches and it's often called pe for short her parents brian and claire divorced when she was 10 years old and Allison spent most of her childhood living with her mother and her older brother, Neil. In the earlier years of her life, Allison led a pretty normal life. She served and graduated as head girl in the collegiate high school for girls of Port Elizabeth. So 
head girl is like. Yeah, I was going to say, what does that mean? Uh, it's kind of like class president with more duties. Like, but it's essentially like a class president in the is US. Is it like class president meets valid Victorian? Kind of. Uh, it, it didn't seem like you have to be the smartest. It's almost like an elected position. Okay. Um, I read different things, though, so I don't want to 100% because like apparently head girl is an English term, but it's also and like head boy, but it's also like a South African term. And it's also like a European term. Like I heard different ones, but not because we're talking about Tom Felton and Riddle, but uh, in the Harry Potter movies, they have a head boy and head girl. And essentially that's what it is. It's an mm-hmm. elected position and you're essentially like the class president of your grade or your house or whatever it right. is. So that's what I'm going with here. And that's kind of what, when I Googled it pulled up. So anyone can correct Could me, be many but that's what it is. Different situations. Yeah. After high school, Allison studied at a secretarial school for a year because her mom said it would be a good backup plan in case. And so she like requested that Allison do it. How boring would that be? A secretary. That sounds so boring. Yeah. I don't know. Like, is it just a bunch of, I feel like maybe administrative things. Well, probably in like maybe you're learning like computer programs like Excel, Word, things like that that you would. So admin things. Yeah. In the U.S. Because this is the early 90s when computers are starting to like hit. So maybe it's not Mm -hmm. like Excel necessarily, but like different computer programs so that you're learning it. You're no longer using the Rolodex. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When she finished her education, Allison then spent four years traveling overseas and traveling abroad. When she returned home, Allison found a job as an insurance broker and she loved it. She loved being an insurance broker. I don't think I would love that one. More, yeah, more power <laughs> to you if you if you enjoy that job. Mm. I don't think I would like that. Yeah, but. that sounds awful. <laughs> but the story really begins when it was a really nice summer night on Saturday, December 17th, 1994. Allison was 20. Did, did you like how I said that? A summer night in December? Oh, yeah, because we're in South Africa. I'll right, explain right, that right. in a second. Allison was 27 years old. She was having a normal, ordinary day. Allison and her friends were having fun. They hung out. They went to the beach. They played board games at her apartment. They ordered pizza. It was literally an ordinary day. So the reason why that is like is because in South Africa, it's in the Southern Hemisphere. So their summer is between December to March usually. And since this is like December 14th, it's it's like a perfect summer day. So their December is like our July. Yeah, essentially. Which, okay, I I might be entirely wrong. But another podcast I really like is Horror House Podcast. So like horror, like a horror movie, not horror like a, a cool girl. <laughs> like a what? <laughs> like a cool, cool woman figure. Um, so a horror house podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, they're somewhere. They have accents. Dom, <laughs> Dom has an accent. Like, I don't know where he's at. It's I'm going to name a few places and he's at one of these so that you can't stalk him. It'll be like a game. He's either in (laughs) New Zealand or the UK or like Britain or England somewhere. He's one of those. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with that. Okay. so again, I don't think I named any place that's in the Southern Hemisphere, actually. Naming countries that really aren't America. Don't actually. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Moving on from that. <laughs> I think I just I think I just made a fool of myself. <laughs> hmm. Sorry, it hasn't been the first time. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> so 
it's a nice, beautiful December day. Allison and her friends were hanging out. After they spent the evening all hanging out, Allison started to head home. And I originally said that they played board games at her house. So you're like, how'd she head home? Well, when most of her friends had all head home, headed home, Allison's last friend didn't have a ride. So Allison's like, I'll just take you home and then like I'll head back. When Allison returned to her house, it was about 1 a.m. It was Saturday. Nope, Sunday. Sorry. It was after midnight. So it was now Sunday, the 18th. Allison got home. She realized someone had taken her normal parking spot. So she had to park a little bit further away than she normally does, which when I lived in apartments, that was like my biggest pet peeve in life. Have you yes. Ever, like you have a spot that you oh no. Or even like at work. The audacity, man. Like I have a very I'm a person. I'm a creature of habit. Mm-hmm. When I find a parking spot I like at it's work mine. or something like that, that is my parking spot. I don't care if it's not assigned. That's my spot. You know, it's my spot. I know it's my spot. My car knows it's my spot. Exactly. Don't fuck with the spots, people. Well, someone fucked with Allison's spot. So she had to park a little bit further away than she normally does. And she wasn't like super upset, but she's like, damn, this is inconvenient because all of my clean clothes is like in, in a clean laundry bag in my passenger seat on the floor. So she was going to have to like carry that in. Which is also the worst. It's so fucking annoying. (laughs) So Allison parks her car. She's sitting in the driver's side and she kind of like leans over her car into the passenger area to start collecting all of her stuff. So she's not aware of her surroundings and she's not like looking around. Well, Allison then feels a rush of like warm summer air hit her as if someone had opened her driver door. So she like sits up, you know, like freaked out, like why all of a sudden did that happen? And instantly a man has a knife at Allison's throat and he's the person that opened the driver's door. The man says, move over or I'll kill you. It's a little alarming. It's uh, like, that's just so abrupt too. Mm-hmm. It's a little so, aggressive. <laughs> just, just a little. Can you, can you chill out? <laughs> you pipe down a little bit. He moved Allison over to the passenger side and he trapped Allison inside her own vehicle as he took her keys and started to drive away. He told her that he didn't want to hurt her and he only wanted to borrow her car for an hour. So the whole time Allison's in the car and she's like, I need to think about like jumping out of the vehicle, getting away. But she's in such shock that she literally couldn't like get her body to do the actions. When the car came to a stoplight, Allison had the idea she was just going to signal to the other car that she was in need of help. However, the other car passengers never looked over her or never noticed her. Of course, the one time you want the Someone person to next you. to you to look at you. Like, I'm all the time, like, dancing in my car and making a fool of myself and people are, like, watching me. But, like, you know that this one time, no one's going to look at you. actively didn't look at her and, like, it needed to be done. The driver then asked Allison her name. She said it was Susan because she was too scared to give him her real name. The driver said he was glad she was with him because he wanted some company. He said he was going to a friend's house to get a TV back that someone had stolen from him. The driver introduced himself as Clinton. Clinton then traveled to another part of Port Elizabeth where he picked up his friend slash accomplice for the evening. But before they actually picked him up, he like Clinton guy, he pulled up to a bar nightclub area and Clinton started looking around as if he was waiting for someone or trying to find someone, which at this point, she's like, why are we at a club? We, you said you're borrowing my car for an hour to get a TV. I'm so confused. So the Clinton guy got really pissed off. And so he drove around a few more laps around the area. And then he came back to that same club area. 
at that time, a man in all black emerged from the crowd and got into the car. That man was Theans Kruger. Clinton said, meet my friend Susan. Susan, this is Theans. So who's Clinton and Theans, right? Clinton was actually a man named Franz Adrian Dutois, which sucks because that's a really great name. It is a really cool name. <laughs> but a terrible human. Right. He was 26 years old at the time of Allison's attack. So he's going to be the older one because you'll learn that Theans is only, um, I think, 19 at the time. Yeah. So he's like the big brother figure of. Yeah, it's a shitty thing. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, Franz was raised as a Christian and he's a child of law enforcement, which like Kylie, it, am I right in thinking this? Like, I feel like when parents are like law people or like police officers, their kids are like the most rowdy, out of control, like law breaking little shitheads. And the same can be said for like the the ministers and like the preachers and pastors and stuff like those kids are like the most atheist, like non-believers or like skeptics always. Well, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> OK, <laughs> I just like I, I don't know if it's because of the way like parents shove it down their throat or maybe it's because they're exposed so much that they see the plot holes like. But I feel like that's like, always yeah, the I case. actually don't know. It's it could be an interesting theory that we could go into someday. But because a lot of people are always like, oh, it's because it was shoved down your throat. But that's the thing. Like. It like, wasn't like, shoved yeah. down my throat at all. My parents were super like, you believe whatever you yeah. want. Like, so were my grandparents, everyone. It's more like I just saw plot holes and I was like, I don't believe in this because of my own like idealisms, not because of anyone telling me I had to. And I was like, I'm going to rebel. Science. Scientology. No, no. no. <laughs> you want to talk about it? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. So when Franz was in Franz is Clinton, remember? So when Franz was in middle school, he set fire to a dormitory. Great law enforcement child. Starting real good. <laughs> yeah. He's starting off on a hot note, if you will. <laughs> he said that he claimed heavy metal music that he was listening to influenced him because they're hidden messages. Okay. Calm down, Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> He was obviously oh. expelled for this. Oh, did you hear about Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah. It's so sad. What? He's such a good person. He's such a good person. I love and him. Everyone like I read it and I was like, that's really sad. But then I started reading the comments and I was like, I'm going to cry. This yeah. is sad. No one's even mad at him. Everyone cares. Yeah. Oh, oh, I always think of Ozzy Osbourne because I think of the movie Little Nicky with Adam Sandler. <laughs> and he's like, bite his freaking head off. Ozzy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, Franz's family moved around, and when he was living in the town of Adelaide, 93 miles northeast of Port Elizabeth, he met a girl that claimed she was a witch. Okay. The witch said that she conducted rituals that could manifest demons, and she could use her powers to bring these demons about. So while attempting to summon some of these demons, Franz became possessed and says a demon named Incubus came to live with him and be a part of him. 1990s mm, oh i guess this would have been before the 90s the band incubus wasn't around yet was it i yeah i was i was <laughs> just thinking of that and i was like hmm but incubus also isn't heavy metal so i was trying to like put that no. together and like no well incubus not. is a demon incubus and succubus style demons well, right yeah but i was thinking of I, connecting I, the heavy yeah oh i see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay my bad my bad 
So Franz became involved in Satanism at the age of 13. And he said that he had an evil side, but he blamed that evil side on Incubus. You know, like he's not evil. Incubus is evil and Incubus makes him evil. And with Incubus, his evil side is always stronger when he's some sort of inebriated. He said the thoughts of Incubus were so strong, specifically while having sex, that Incubus would give him thoughts to kill. Because those are normal things. I don't know. (laughs) If the person I'm having sex with is like getting off on the idea of killing me or other people... I don't know. I'm going to have an issue with that. Yeah, like, I don't really think that this is, I think you should be going to counseling, not having sex. Yep. I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing that I'm I feel like the sex is a a coping mechanism at that point. In a bad way. In a very bad way. (laughs) I'm getting very uncomfortable. Yes, you are. (laughs) Franz's parents sent him to the army where he only lasted three months. Yes. Take a problem, child. Force them to go to the army. That'll work out. Where they literally shove other things down your throat. Yes. (laughs) Nothing can go wrong here. No. His parents then helped him obtain a job at a mine after this. So he became a miner mining away like Minecraft, but real life. (laughs) Um, Minecraft. (laughs) But very different. Very different. So shortly after this, he married a woman and he became father to a little girl, which when you learn who Franz is as a person, that's terrifying he then abandoned his wife and his daughter and his reasoning why was his wife didn't satisfy him sexually because he wasn't killing her yeah i was gonna say well obviously she didn't because she was still alive (laughs) right so do you think he was into necromancy necrolepsy next necrolepsy necromancy necromancy (laughs) necro what is it called necrophilia (laughs) i couldn't think of it either <laughs> I was just gonna name any no necro it's necromancy from from here on out. <laughs> and then I was trying to give credit to another podcast called Necronomapod. Oh my god, You're I went fine. all over the place with You're that good. one. Necrophilia, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. What's that one movie? It's a. Two Do you want to pa- continue on this road? What's no? What's that one movie? There's two parts of it. And it's a very sexually driven movie. What's it called when you're a sex addict? Is that what the movie is? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't think so. Hmm. It's like a part one and part two. And hold on, I really got to find this out. Is it called sexual addiction? I really want to know what you search, what you're searching (laughs) No, you don't. I'm on a list right now. Hmm. Necromantic? Is that what I'm thinking of? That involves other people being dead. What's it called when you're a sex addict? I thought it was just you're a sex addict. Nymphomania. Oh, yep. Yep. The movie Nymphomania Part 1 and Part 2. That's what I was thinking of. Not necrophilia. Different things. Sex addict. Sex with dead bodies. Two different things. Turns out. Pretty close. Pretty close words. Well, oh, I thought you were going to say pretty close actions. I mean, one one has a pulse and one doesn't. That's a pretty big difference. We're not going to go there. (laughs) We're going to continue on. (laughs) Would you rather? No, wait. No, yeah, we'll we'll play this game. Would you rather be a necrophiliac or a bestialitist? Beast. 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 At least they're alive, I guess. Yeah. I don't think mm. neither. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I what? No, I would just 
be asexual, I guess. I would just, <laughs> I would just, I would just coexist. Yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> what do you do at that point? Just like stop. People, if you have weird thoughts, just um, stop. <laughs> that's all I'm asking. That's that's how it works. There, uh, there's no reason for therapy anymore. You just stop thinking the just thoughts. Just don't do them anymore. Thank you. <laughs> so after this, Franz's parents, uh, or well, Franz eventually, not him and his parents, just him. He moved to Port Elizabeth, but his parents did help him again. This time, they got him a job as a driver, which is terrifying because a lot of serial killers have had like driving jobs. Yeah. yeah. But luckily, that was a really short lived job for him because Franz got fired for stealing money. He used this money to open a Shabin, which Shabins are unlicensed establishments that sell illegal alcohol, alcohol illegally. Like you can't do it. I always want to say like. I th- that word looks like she bean instead of Shabin. And I always think of like a she shed. <laughs> And so in my head, I'm thinking of this guy, this 20 something year old guy in a she shed selling, selling illegal alcohol or alcohol illegally because I love alcohol that. is legal. Yeah. 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 Well, in 1993, he then married his second wife and he had a son. But like, OK, so that's Franz. That's Franz's backstory. Right now. How did Franz and Theans meet and how they get to know each other? Well, of course, it was by doing illegal shit. So let's talk about the ends. The ends, Johannes Kruger. Also a kind of cool name. Kind of. Not as cool. Not as cool. Still a piece of shit. Kind of. Now, the ends was 19 years old during the attack. So he was seven years younger than Franz. He had a rough upbringing because he never really knew what a stable home environment or stable home life was. His father had left his mother shortly after she got pregnant and he went on on to be like in and out of being an incarceration. His mother got married to another really great dude. This guy was named Theans and he bailed on the family, but not before naming the child Theans. But why stop there? His mother got remarried again. She's like the Ross Geller of life. (laughs) If you watch Friends, Ross gets married a lot. That's the joke. Um, but the family moved to be with this new guy and this time the stepfather did stick around, but he was a piece of shit. So we wished he wouldn't have. He was a really, really violent dude and he treated Theans and his mother like shit. And Theans later in life said that this stepdad also molested him when he was younger. Sounds like a bang up guy. Yep. A bang yeah, oh. guy, because like he banged his child. Is that like what you're going at here? No, no. Oh, I thought you were trying to make a pun. He banged him around. No, that sounds worse. Um, well, banged him around is violent. Yeah, no, I know. Neither of these are good puns. We're doing bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're like, OK, I wish you wouldn't have done I it. Can't think, I can't think of like what else we could say. <laughs> so his school life was no better. Theans was bullied often and his classmates called him Dreetit, which is three tit because he had a third nipple. Damn. What a shame. Sucks to suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember those rumors that Harry Styles had four nipples? No, I didn't follow those types of things. Oh, me neither. Never mind. So Theans got. <laughs> Yeah, you did. (laughs) Religiously. Let's talk about religion there. I love Harry Styles. So Theans got involved with drugs and alcohol in middle school, and then he dropped out to join the army. 
Oh my God. I'm sorry. I have one more thing to say about Harry Styles before we move on. Dude. The other night at the <laughs> Harry Styles concert, he played What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction and he sang it and it was so cute and I got teary eyed listening to it. That's all. Moving okay. on. Yes. <laughs> back to the back to the thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> In June of 1994, Theans met Franz by illegally selling franz illegally sold theans alcohol at the shabin so because remember the she shed in the backyard (laughs) the she shed selling alcohol because again theans is 19 so they quickly became friends theans started confiding in franz and like franz kind of took this like mentor big brother role which he should be no one's mentor in life so he theans told franz that he also had sexual issues because Theans couldn't obtain enough sexual satisfaction because he couldn't always find a willing partner. That's a little different. That's not good. Nope. Theans said he didn't believe in God, but he does believe in the devil. So Franz told him more about Satanism and demons. And at some point during this budding relationship, Theans said he wanted to obtain the power of a demon like how Franz had the incubus demon. Theans then also tells a story about how earlier in the year of 1994, before they go on to commit this attack on Allison, he claimed he had an intense sexual relationship with a woman who was actually a satanic witch. Call it coincidence, but it's kind of weird that both these men were seduced by an evil satanic witch and that they both want to, like, have these things, these, like, demony boys. It's definitely meant to be at that point. They should have just went and been together. Yeah, go marry yourselves. And like hang out in your she shed. <laughs> Selling like alcohol. Yes. In the backyard. Okay. They got it. <laughs> so at this point, we know Clinton's real name is Franz. So I'm going to switch to the Franz name to make it less confusing. But keep in mind, Allison doesn't know that Clinton's name is Franz. Okay. So now the men knew what their plan was that night. Like they said that they were originally just going to get this TV back and they were only going to borrow the car for an hour and all this stuff. But they actually knew they were looking for someone to attack. And like to give you an example, like Allison was not the first girl that they attempted to abduct that night. Like that wasn't the first attempt. So put a pin in it and we'll talk about that later. Pinned. Franz and Theans were in the vehicle. Ooh, really enunciated that. Vehicle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, there are letters in this word. <laughs> there are the letters. The vehicular module. Um, <clears throat> the ends was smoking a cigarette while Franz was driving the car. Also, just a disrespect. Who knows if Allison allows people to smoke in her car? Yeah. Rude. Fuck these guys. <laughs> Fuck them. I hate it when people just smoke in the drive through lane. Oh my god! Like a fast food. Oh my god! Or, or even just sitting there at a freaking stoplight, and you're just sitting there like smoking, like blowing your smoke into my area. I legitimately got into a fight one time, screaming <laughs> at a woman in a drive-through. I was working at a Starbucks, and we had a partner who was eight months pregnant working the drive-through window, and someone literally blew smoke in her face. And she was really polite about it. She's just like, "Oh, can you please not blow your smoke in my face?" That's what she said. She didn't say, hey, motherfucker, put your fucking cigarette out like I fucking would have. <laughs> right. And the lady literally like took another puff and blew it right at my partner. Not like my my partner, like Margie, like the my Starbucks partner, you know, like my worker. And um, 
I was like, fuck no, no, move out of the fucking way. And I was like, ma'am, you can either put your cigarette out or you can not have your drink. And she refused to. So she watched me pour her drink down the freaking sink while I stared into her eyes. And I said, you can leave the drive through now. And she goes, I already paid. And I said, you can call corporate and get a refund then. Nice. She was livid. She Good. Called, she Fuck then off. called and tried to complain about me. And she's like, can I speak to the manager? I was like, I am the manager. <laughs> Bitch. And then she called corporate on me. And corporate was like, what'd she do? And I had to have people back me up, but I didn't get in trouble. So haha, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> so there's that. Her name was Sarah. Could have been a lawsuit. It's just like shitty. Don't don't smoke and drive throughs. It's illegal in our state. It should be everywhere. But don't do it. Don't do it. Stop it. <sighs> no more. OK, there's okay, my beef for the day. Someone said that they think that Athena, me, I'm Athena. They said that maybe that's why people think that you're not because I say my name in third person always. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so people said whenever Athena starts a story, I never fucking know where it's going to go. No, you really don't. But it never goes the way I think it will. Nope. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like how my whole life is. So I'm just uh, I'm just one, living it day at a time. One story at a time. <laughs> Now, Franz and Theans were in the vehicle. Like I said, Theans is being a dickhead, smoking that cigarette. Franz is driving the car. So at this point, they put Allison in the back of the car. They took Allison to a deserted area on the outskirts of town with hardly any streetlights and no signs of anyone around at all. Allison said that when the streetlights vanished, so did all of her hope because she knew that they were far away from anyone or anything. They pulled over to a dead-end alcove area. Theans gets out of the car and Franz, still in the driver's seat, asks Allison, are, is she going to try and fight them? <laughs> Terrified for her life, she says no. Because at that point, you know, that's her best bet is to hope that if she complies with everything, they'll leave her alive. Allison waits for a moment and asks, now what? And the guys both laugh at her and say, I thought you would know we want sex. Franz and Theans told Allison that their plan was that they were going to have sex with her whether she wanted to or not. Allison didn't know that the two men had a history of violence against women with previous rape assaults even. So in her mind, she started weighing her options and she knew that she couldn't physically win a fight against them, especially with two of them and one of her. So her first thought was like, if I go along with it, I have a chance of surviving. Which like, that's the thing. Like if you're in that, that, that scenario, scenario for those of you. <laughs> scenario. That I think is the only thing that I think I would think of too like I I think that I would try to humanize myself to them yeah I've theorized this before and I'm like the only way that I'm surviving that is if I go along with it and act like I'm completely in love with this idea and then find that moment of weakness and and fuck their world up (laughs) yeah because like I feel like that's how you hear more survival stories is they like have a slip up with a moment of weakness or something or like the people humanize the moment, themselves. Yeah, the moment of humanity just like slips in. You're like, yep, because going to take that. There's a few stories like, don't get me wrong, where like the person starts to humanize them and they get more pissed and they're more enraged and they're more violent. But like, I feel like that one's less common than if you try to get them that humanization thing. However, I am also the person where like, I think if it went on longer than like, I'm kidnapped for longer than like a week. I think I would get severe Stockholm syndrome. Like, I think I would. Yeah. And I totally know that. And I think it would take a lot of like, even counseling when I'm done with the whole thing to realize like how fucked up the whole situation was. Yeah. 
Cause like, I think I would still be like, well, maybe they had a reason they did it. And they're like, like you're justifying it. And they're like, you mean they had a reason for locking you in a basement and making you eat, drink your own urine to stay alive for six months. And I'd be like, well, yeah, because water's expensive and he couldn't run a pipe downstairs. So he, he only made me drink my own urine so that I could stay alive because he didn't want to kill me. And they'd be like, okay, you need therapy. <laughs> um, okay. Just slightly. <laughs> except, except I would willingly join a cult. Yes, you would. I do think that. So 100%. that doesn't take Stockholm. That's just, you have to like. I think it would really depend on the cult for me. I, I think I would join any kind of cult almost. Any kind. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as it's something I'm slightly interested in. I gotta have like a 10% liking of it. <laughs> Is that shocking or something? Any cult. Mm, well, not like a sex cult or anything. You I'm, said any cult. Well, no, so. it has to be something I'm really, really interested in. You're not interested in sex? Well, <laughs> not with other people, only my partner. So if my partner starts a sex cult, sure. If Margie tomorrow was like, I'm with herself and only cult. herself. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. I guess that's not a cult then. No. Hmm. Okay. I would join a cult for like, if there was like a cult for my book club or something, I would do that. Oh, yeah. You would 100% do that. Oh, I would be one of the leaders. Yeah, you would be. Taylor Swift cult. I sure I'd join it. What do I have to do? Like put her face on my face. Okay, let's do it. Her face. <laughs> I don't know. There's a few cults I'd join, I think. Hey, don't get me into it. I think you would have thought about joining that creepy cult Chad Michael Murray was part of. Absolutely. In Riverdale. So <laughs> I'd follow him anywhere. Um, Sorry. So, yeah, I think that Allison did the right thing by like trying to humanize herself because she she knew what she was doing. Like she had that moment of clarity to be like, if I want to survive, this is the, the way. Mm hmm. So at this point, Franz orders Allison to strip. She complies. And I, I did warn you guys before I started this episode. I had Kylie give you guys a warning. This episode is really heavy with violence towards women, aggression. And there's quite a bit of talk of the rape scene. It's detailed. So if you can't handle it, we totally get it. We'll see you next week. We got, I think, aliens on the docket, if I remember correctly. But this week is a little heavy. Keep that in mind. Don't listen in front of kids. You shouldn't be doing that anyways. I say way too many swear words. Same. But um, I think I guess more than you do. Do you? I think so. Hmm. I kind of Ned Flanders half the time. I'll be like, ah, frickety frack. I do <laughs> yeah, you like do. <laughs> I try to censor myself. Or when I'm at work, I do this really toxic thing where I censor myself and I'll be like, oh, what the? Anyways, I can't believe that happened. Stop just, it. Or I'll be like, I can't believe that. Yeah. And I type like that, too, a lot of times, like I'll put X's or stars and like my phone autocorrects the word fuck into F X C K. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I censor myself a lot. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, I don't mean to. Like, I'm old. I could I could. I'm old. Fuck shit. Goddamn <laughs> bitch. Whore. Tits. Ass. <laughs> C-U-N-T. I don't want to say that one. It seems dirty. <laughs> it seems dirty. No, panics. <laughs> I don't know. What's like another curse word? What's like a British slang curse word? Bollocks? Is that like a curse word for them? Arse? That means ass. That's ass. Yeah. That's just how they say it. Like, literally. Um, What am I thinking of? Oh, I have a really funny story about Harry Styles that I won't tell. Stop it. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. All right. So going back, 
at this point, we're starting the sex scene, the rape scene. It's not sex. It's rape at this point. But we're starting the scene. So if you can't handle it, like I said, go away. We got you. We'll see you next week. Franz orders Allison to strip her clothes. She complies. He then shoves her face into his groin region and orders her to perform oral sex. Franz threatens Allison that if she dares to bite him, he will kill her right then, right there. After a few minutes of receiving oral sex, Franz then switches positions to force Allison to be the receiver as he performs oral sex on her. During the event, Franz stops to talk to Allison and he asks her if she's enjoying this and if she's used to being gone down on by her boyfriend. The audacity. The fucking audacity. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I disgusting. said. <laughs> I cannot. Like, what a piece of shit, dude. Yeah. Because, you know, she's having to pretend she's super into this too and be like, like, oh, yeah, this is so much better than any boyfriend I have. Like, oh, my God, you're the best. Oh, you're rocking my world. What that tongue do, zaddy. <laughs> and like, meanwhile, she's like stroking the ego. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, she's like, I fucking want to be dead right now. Like, yeah. this is unbearable. Yeah. So Allison tried her best to play along and act like this was an okay event and that she was like into it so that she could survive. But at one point, Allison said that her body had physically became aroused and she was turned on and she became, in lack of a better term, horny during these events because someone was eating her out. So it happens, you know. But she said that that was the ultimate betrayal, like her body against her, because she knows in her mind she's not happy and she's not having a good time. But her body's betraying her by acting as if it's turned on. She later like realized it's her body acting this way in hopes of making her captors have that emotion towards her to keep her alive. And like her body's doing a correct response because of her trying to enact this emotion. I mean, but it's also science like. Yeah, like. So she's like mad because she's like, I'm not happy. Why are you acting happy down there? But her body's like, that's what we do. This is what. Yeah, this is like, the response. I'm sorry. I know you're not happy. This is how bodies work. And she's like not getting it because she's upset. Like her her mind isn't clicking in the right way, obviously. So Franz eventually moves back up Allison's body. He starts biting her breast and then he starts kissing her. And then he ends up raping her. Allison refused to touch Franz the entire time he was raping her, so she kept her hands on the roof of the car and tried to pretend that she was enjoying the act as best as she could. Meanwhile, Theans is just standing outside the car watching the whole time. Because that's not awkward. I also wonder where he's standing, like, what, right? where he's watching. Like, is he right next to her face, like, watching her? Or is he, like, watching, like, a side view, a back view? Is he still smoking cigarettes, just, like... Or, like, is he, like, commenting on it even? Like, is he, like, I, I just, like, I want to almost know, but at the same time, I don't want to know. Gross. When Franz ended, Theans walked over and yelled over to Franz, and he said Franz's name. At that point, Allison realized the name Clinton wasn't real, and so she starts worrying because she's like, oh, my God, is Theans's name even Theans? Like, do I not know these men's name? Like, how am I going to survive this night and tell people if I don't know their real names. So at this point, Franz is kind of pissed that Theans just gave his cover away, but he decides to ignore that. And he instead was like, hey, Theans, do you want to have sex with a lovely lady? Like, that's what he says after he literally just raped this girl. So then Theans 
looks over at her and he's like, no, I want to fuck the bitch. So Franz, the same man that just did this raping, looked at Allison and said, you can't, no, you can't talk to her like that. She's a lady. You must speak properly to her. Super classy. You have no room to talk. (laughs) Right. Okay. And he's also the one that had like a daughter and stuff. Like this is so terrifying. Lead by example, bro. Fiennes then attempts to rape Allison, but he struggles to hold an erection and eventually gets mad and leaves the car. Sucks to suck. Haha, <laughs> you're a piece of shit. Three nipples. Even more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so Allison starts to get dressed and then Fiennes goes and sits on the hood of the car. And he pulls out a hunting knife. So now both men have knives. Franz goes to talk to Thiens and asks him what he thinks the devil would want them to do with Allison now. They agreed they would want Allison dead and they have to kill her. Franz opens up the car door and tells Allison she has to get undressed and take off all of her jewelry and give it to Thiens. He then jumps on Allison and starts to suffocate and strangle her. Allison, things started, Allison said things started to get fuzzy and eventually turned black. She begged for them not to kill her, and Franz said sorry. He's apologizing for killing her as he's killing her. Because that makes sense. Yeah. Franz, uh, Allison then says she remembers evacuating her bowels, and all, everything faded to black. They then stabbed Allison 37 times in the abdomen, pelvic, and genital region. Allison was going in and out of consciousness, but Allison recalls that Franz specifically said he wanted to mutilate her reproductive organs. Lucky for her, the attackers actually missed those specific parts of her body, though, because they're idiots. Yeah, they don't have enough. (laughs) They don't have enough knowledge of those areas. (laughs) They don't, clearly. (laughs) And at one point, Allison's legs started twitching, even though she was like unconscious. So Franz and Theans decided the job wasn't quite done yet. So they attacked her again. And this time they stabbed and slashed at her throat 17 times, nearly decapitating her. Allison said she could barely make sense of what was happening and later spoke out about it, saying. All I could see was an arm moving above my face, left and right and left and right. His movements were making a sound, a wet sound. It was the sound of my flesh being slashed open. He was cutting my throat with the knife again and again and again. It felt unreal, but it wasn't. I felt no pain, but it was not a dream. This was happening. The man was slashing my throat. That's terrifying that you hear it. Like, do you what do you have ear piercings like mm-hmm. in a different part of your ear or anything like your conch or anything like that? Rough? No, I just have doubles. OK, like when you get like your conch done and I think it happened with my rook or whatever, you like hear that crunch mm-hmm. of it going through. And I got to tell you, the pain wasn't that bad, but that crunch made me feel sick to my stomach, like hearing that pain. Mm hmm. Or like the time I broke my nose, that same thing. I heard my nose crunch and I'm like, oh, my God, my whole life is crumbling. This is the most excruciating thing ever, because like the sound is almost worse than the actual event, mm-hmm. because it sounds like everything is breaking sounds or worse something. Yeah, like what it's it terrifying. actually is. Yeah. But imagine a wet gushing noise coming from your throat. Like hereditary. Yeah, the piano wire scene. Yeah. Like I just... Oh, my God. I'm like touching my throat right now because I cannot imagine it. And it just sounds Mm -mm. so painful. But it wasn't. So that's good. Yeah, at least. As the men stepped back, Allison heard them admiring their work and speaking in Africans. 
One of them said, do you think she's dead yet? And the other one said, no one can survive that. But she didn't didn't know who said which because like she's out of it, but she's here kind of. So she's like not really sure what's happening. The two men thought they had killed her. So they drove away and they threw Allison's clothes out of the window, out of her own vehicle, mind you. They also stole her fucking vehicle after all this with her clean clothes in it. Assholes. Assholes. They left her for dead in a clearing, but Allison was still breathing. She said, I realized my life was too valuable to let go of, and that gave me the courage to survive. Allison was left bloody, beaten, raped, and dying alone on sand and broken glass. Allison said she felt like she was outside her own body and kept hearing gurgling sounds of her own breathing being complicated by the amount of blood. Allison knew that she needed to leave some sort of a clue about who did this, so she decided to write the names of her attackers in the dirt, and then beneath that she wrote, I love mom. So sad. It reminds me of Shanda Sharer when she was like crying for her mom. Yeah. Like, I, I cannot handle that. Mm-mm. Allison could see headlights streaking through the bushes in the distance, and she realized that she might have a chance to survive if she could get to that road. Because where she is now, no one would ever see her. But if she's on that road, she might like see a motorist coming towards her or anything. When Allison started to move towards the headlights, she realized the full extent of her injuries. And she started by trying to crawl, but crawling was like just too slow for Allison because she was losing so much blood and everything. So she's like, I'm going to have to walk it. Now, remember, she was stabbed 37 times in like the whole lower body everywhere and then 17 times in her throat. So she tried to pull herself up. And when she did, her head fell backwards and it ended up hitting the part of her back between her shoulder blades because she was so close to decapitation. So she had to like, take her own hand and push her head up and like put it on and like like, literally like the movies like you're literally like yes like like nearly headless nick has nothing on this woman like her Mm -hmm. head was literally like like hermione granger nearly headless why do they call you nearly headless like (laughs) but like literally that's this girl right now yeah And she said that when her head like fell backwards or like when she wasn't holding her head, all she could see was the night sky and like the stars in the sky because her head would just like fall backwards and she could only see up. I'm actually really surprised that she could still see with that. Oh, my God. Head being like back. That's that's so terrifying. I would I would I would be. uh, Oh, I have a fear of decapitation. I would be so scared. My neck would just like my head would roll off my neck. I'm so scared of decapitation. I'm like getting really stressed right now. I have an actual fear of that, I think. Huh. Moving on. <laughs> I don't like it. Which well, is I weird. mean, I don't think anybody <laughs> likes it. But it's weird because I have no problem with that scene in Hereditary. Oh, no, absolutely not. I have not a problem with that. I thought that was very not that bad compared to what you guys thought. Mm-mm. So I don't know. It's certain decapitations, I guess. Um, Now... As this was all happening, so, like, Allison is clearly struggling, right? But then she also started to feel something slimy protruding from her abdomen, and she realized it was her intestines. They were falling out of her body because the two men had disemboweled her. So Allison started walking with one hand supporting her intestines and the other hand trying to hold her head up on her, like, neck that was decapitated. Allison used, she saw laying on the ground, her shirt from the night. So she used her shirt that the men had thrown out of the car and she tied it around her body to try to keep her organs and her intestines from spilling out while she tried to walk to the road. 
So like her body is literally trying to protrude itself and be on the outside. And she's like, no, I'm going <laughs> to tie it together with a T-shirt. Yeah. Like that's fucking terrifying. This is my skin now. But it's also really good that they threw that out because she probably wouldn't have been able to hold it. She would have started to like get too exhausted. So she did talk about what it felt like. So it was time to move. I crawled, struggling through dirt and broken glass, my one hand holding the shirt. With each successive successive movement, I became increasingly tired. At some point, I collapsed onto the sand, exhausted. At this point, though, had Theans and Franz not slashed her throat, Allison actually would have died sooner, which is like so weird to say. But I'll explain it when they like stabbed at her throat. They actually ended up slicing her trachea, which allowed the air to flow into her lungs and it let it bypass all the blood that was clogging her throat and stuff. And it also kickstarted her breathing and led her back to consciousness. It's insane. Isn't that wild? I think and love like, it, though. Like that yes. is so wild that doing that actually kept her alive it remind. okay i don't know if i'm correct on this <laughs> okay do you i might be making this up do you remember the movie red eye with yep cillian killian murphy rachel the, mcadams the man with the gorgeous eyes that scare me he you're He's yes so you're scary. right <laughs> oh my God. okay yeah i've talked about this before he very much terrifies me okay I don't <laughs> with the gorgeous eyes. I don't know if it's in that movie. Like I know in this movie that happens. Rachel McAdams stabs him in the throat with a pen, and he like I like rem- I remember this because she like stabs him, and then he's like, <gasps> yes, and, but, they, and you can like hear him like struggle breathing, yes, because it's not like full on breathing, and then he like ties the woman's scarf that he rips off, yes, around it's it. It's definitely red eye. Okay, so I know that happens, but that's not what I'm thinking of actually. Now that I describe it in detail. There's other movies and TV shows where they do that, where like someone's like dying and they can't breathe or whatever. And they yeah. stab them with like pens or whatever in the throat yeah. to be like, relieve the the blood. If you've seen any TV show that involves medical th- things. But I wonder what movie I was actually trying yeah. to think of. It's hmm. very specific. Because I know they stab them with an ink pen even. Everyone's like, do they have an ink pen? And then they use an ink pen. But no, in that one, Rachel just stabs them with an ink pen. There is one... Uh, no, I think that's still Grey's Anatomy. Does it happen in Grey's Anatomy? What? A mammogny, Yeah, it happens many times in Grey's, but because, hmm. like, the doctor is like a new doctor, basically, and someone on the phone is telling her like how to. I don't. I don't know if it's Grey's, but I have this weird like memory of. Did you find it? Okay, Did you find so what you're thinking of? I kind of tried to Google it. I said, in what movie do they stab someone in the neck with a pin to keep them alive? And the first 10 things are red eye. Yes. And they just keep talking about it uh-huh. and about how that's like a very iconic scene. Well, yeah. But um, it says that there are five movies that do this, but then it didn't list the five movies. Right. So you have to click on it. No, I did click on it. It's not telling me. (laughs) That's so shitty. Why would you do that? Hmm. But Red Eye is a good example. Yes, that's that's what I'm thinking of. It's not totally what I'm thinking of, but you got it. It's like a tracheectomy. Tracheectomy. Tracheotomy. Trachotomy. Trachotomy? Trachotomy? 
Do you know, know in grays they just say trach them? Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> so okay. <laughs> I don't know the correct term. <laughs> so it's giving that vibes yes. is what I'm essentially trying to say. Uh-huh. Now, at this point, also keep in mind, even though it kept her alive, she's still bleeding out though. So right. like, yes, it's it kept her alive, but it's not a shitty good. situation. Yes. Allison said she just kept thinking of her mom and her survival, knowing that she needed to stay alive. She said, I pulled my head forward with my free hand and my vision returned, at least temporarily. As I struggled towards forward, my sight faded in and out and I fell many times, but managed to get up again until I finally reached the road. That's talking about motivation in your life. Like You are not Allison, who is literally dying. I read on one of the sources. I read on one of the sources, they said something like, like that she like did pass out a few times while like trying to make this journey. Um, Probably took a while because of the blood loss and stuff. But at the same time, she would still be losing blood. So I feel like it was probably just like a flash of like passing out and then coming back. Consciousness. Yeah. Because also she would have like fell down each time almost and stuff probably. Once she got to the road, Allison collapsed along the white line because even in her disoriented state, She knew that that would be the best place and position to attract the attention of a motorist. Like if someone saw her because she would be like almost in the middle of the road, both sides would see her. Allison said her only thought was, what's the worst thing that could happen to this point? Someone hits me with their car. That's so sad. Right. I mean, like I get it, but oh my God, girl. I mean, at least you can be a little bit, um, comic relief yeah like your own comic relief at this point yeah because like honestly yeah like who's to say that wouldn't have been the worst thing at this point like she's bleeding out she's dying she's in severe pain she's just been raped multiple times and she's like "Hmm, what if someone hits me with their car that suck (laughs) okay (laughs) and then i'd call it a day i guess but then a car sees allison slows down and stops could you imagine imagine if they didn't and they no, just like went just, around her. Just could you? No. But could Ugh. you imagine being this person? So Allison starts to fear, wondering what if it was her attackers? So she just lays there like axe dead because she's like, oh, my God, it's them. That's my first thought. That's terrifying. Yeah, because that is that's my other big fear is that if I ever survive something, you I don't feel like you're out and then. Yes, I always the think they would be the next person I go to. Because that's what every scary movie in the world has taught us. Like, the moment you get out of the cabin in the woods, you run to the gas station. Well, the gas station is related to the guy in the cabin in the woods. And so right. is the police officer. You're fucked. The entire town is actually in on it and you're going to die. Right. Like, that's that's every scary movie ever. I just explained to you 95 different plot movies mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. So that would be my fear is that I wouldn't trust anyone until I physically saw like my own mother standing in front of me. And even then I would probably be skeptical that my mom's in on it somehow. I'd be like, they got to her. She has Stockholm got too. To I mean, it would, I would assume it would depend on how long that was, but yeah. No, they got to her. Okay. <laughs> so Allison's playing dead in the road. So the car just drove off. No, because they thought Allison was dead and they left her clinging to life on the side of the road. Okay, Allison was cold, lonely, scared. At this point, it's 3 a.m. She was kidnapped around 1 a.m. But finally, another car stops for Allison. Fuck the guy that didn't 
fuck the guy that didn't actually or girl, whoever yeah. yeah i don't care who the fuck you are fuck you <laughs> so then a different person stopped their car and they got out now their name is tian ired tian is not the same person as theans okay i know it sounds alike yeah but tian is a 20 year old vet student who is visiting port elizabeth on vacation that sucks. And he saw Allison lying in the middle of the road and he stopped. Which also, I'm sure in the state she's in, covered in blood and a mess, you could maybe think it was like a dead animal An on animal. the road. Yeah. But at the same time, luckily he's a vet student. So he's like, oh, a dead animal. I'm going to help that too. Like, I really think that probably was his first thought. Probably. Yeah. So he uses vet te- uh, his veterinarian training to start tucking Allison's exposed thyroid back into her body as she's laying there. He then called his friend in the vehicle to tell them to call emergency services to ask for help on their cell phone. It's 1994 and cell phones were rare, but he did happen to have one. That's awesome. So that is really rare, actually. It is now that I think really about it. rare. Yeah. Especially like one that's charged in your car and stuff like and oh not my God. connected to that big car phone, like car phone or like your mm-hmm. luggage. That is so rare and they happen to have one. So Tien then laid in the middle of the road and held Allison's hand and he talked to her the whole time until help got there. I love him. I love Tien. Ugh. Tien said that when he actually saw her, she was so covered in blood from head to toe and so was the entire surrounding road around her and it was so covered in a pool of blood. He said that her tongue was pale, which indicated blood loss. Her eyes were open, but bloodshot and swollen. He said she looked coherent enough when she was asking for help, but like she was still kind of like out of it. Her neck was severed and he said that he could see all of her veins, muscles, vocal cords and windpipe. Jeez. And obviously her her the rest of her thyroid and stuff to be stuffing it back into her body. Right. And keep in mind, also, she had that that shirt covering a lot of her, but it's like bloody and ragged at this point, probably. So then Tien took his own shirt off and started to wrap it around Allison's stomach and her wounds to help contain them even more and apply more pressure. I love him. Do they get married? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> they do not. Oh, man. I know. I got your hopes up with that face. I didn't mean to. Damn. So Tien was trying to talk to Allison and ask her questions about the attack, but he didn't want her like talking or anything so he's like telling her to squeeze his hand for yes and no he's like squeeze once for yes twice for no because also that'll keep her awake like when you're giving blood you know they like have you squeeze so he's trying to get information and stuff and he kept calling and calling trying to get help it took them four phone calls to get a hold of the emergency service okay and after an hour and 45 minutes the ambulance finally arrived Tien laid with her that whole time in the road while she was bleeding. I mean, I would have too. Yeah, same. Here's the bigger part. The hospital was only 15 minutes away. Of course. It took them an hour and 45 minutes to get there. He was unable to get Allison into the vehicle himself because he was going to try and just take her there, but he physically could not move her. So he had to wait for them. And like I said, Tien held Allison's hand the whole time, but he also got in the back of the vehicle and held her hand the entire ride to the hospital. And he stayed with her the entire time at the hospital until they physically had to force him to leave because he was so worried about her. And well, he's worried. probably in a little bit of a shock. Well, and he was worried her attackers would come find her. Oh, that's amazing. I love him. 
Doctors were stunned by Allison's horrific wounds. Tien said the doctors seemed to understand the urgency, even though the ambulance didn't have the same feelings. Tien literally had to keep even telling the ambulance to like, hurry up, go faster. And he would keep like saying that, but they kept making comments being like, she's a lost cause. She's on the brink of death already. All right. Fuck you. Fuck the ambulance people. They're Mm -hmm. on my list along with the fucking original drivers. Yep. Allison got rushed into surgery right away, though, once she got there and they saw her wounds. The anesthesiologist, Dr. David Comn, was presiding over the emergency operations, and he said in all his years he had never experienced the horror of what had been done to Allison, despite the trauma he had always seen in the ER over the years. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. No. He mentioned the sheer destruction of humanity was horrifying. Like, that's how he said it. Dr. Hom said her neck injury was a full laceration ear to ear and her trachea had been cut cleanly through. She was just breathing through the gaping hole that was at her collarbones. It's insane. That's insane. After further examination, she I, I don't know how she didn't bleed out. I genuinely I, don't. No, it, I don't. It makes either. no sense. It makes zero sense to me as a human. She, I don't know how she's meant to. She's meant to survive. After further examination, he said that she had also been completely disemboweled, like entirely. There was nothing that was inside her body at this point. He said her intestines were contaminated with lumps of sand, charcoal and glass because of being like drug. Mm -hmm. He felt it would be very unlikely that Allison could ever have children. Then Dr. Dimitri Angeloff was called in to be the general surgeon to help Dr. Holm with the entire procedure. Dr. Calm said the entire he stayed the entire night to watch over Allison after her surgery. Like, how do you not? Yeah. Like, if you're a person that can help, like, I would be like right there. I could never be like a doctor or someone because I would get attached to every single person ever. Yes. Ever. Same. Later, Dr. Alexander Alexander Angeloff said that he had never seen such severe injuries in his 16 years of practicing medicine. I feel like everyone's name is so similar in this. Because all these people, their names. That's a different guy? Yeah. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> it's the same thing just spelled. Okay. Yeah. One's with an F and one's with a V. Like, yeah, these I are... thought you just spelled it wrong. No, all no, these people different are guy. different people. Okay. Just wait until I get to Allison's husband's name, too. God, everyone has the same name. Allison survived because none of the 50 plus knife thrusted wounds had nicked any of her main arteries. None of the 37. <laughs> And then the 17, and then the 17 more. yeah. Yes. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. Therefore, she did not bleed to death and she was just breathing through the severed trachea. It's no big deal. No, not at all. Allison's surgery lasted three hours and she remembered everything about the attack. Good. So she helped authorities make the arrest. Awesome. A police officer and detective Melvin Humple was the lead officer on the case. He said he already had the two men in custody before Allison was out of surgery. Nice. Allison was able to write both men's name out on paper for the authorities, and she was able to clearly pick them out of photos from the police. The two men were then referred to as the Ripper Rapist in the press. Pressed with a T? No, press. (laughs) Sorry. The authorities said they were sure they had the right men and they were going to put them in custody. They went to visit Allison one more time and they had to tell her some news. So police actually spoke with uh, Dr. David Colm again and told him that the chief prosecutor 
stated that the case would be stronger if Allison would verbalize the names of her attacker attackers like with their names out loud. Dr. Colm was shocked because that meant that he would have to remove the tube from Allison's lung, risking healing and all of her sutures in her trachea just to allow Allison to be verbal to say these two names. So this three hour surgery, he's going to have to like risk just for Allison to say that, even though why she already couldn't she write it. She did write it. No, I know. But like, why wouldn't that hold validity? She literally wrote it. She picked them out of a lineup. She picked them out of photos, everything. She described the entire night and described what the men look like. And they're like, mm-hmm. can you also say their name? Real quick. Just, just like, just, just a slight, you know, <laughs> it's no big deal, right? Right. You can just take that out, right? Yeah. Like as if this wasn't like a super invasive surgery that barely she survived probably also. Right. Now, Dr. Colm did ask Allison what she thought of the officer's request. Cause he's like, I'm not going to do this unless Allison says like, it's Okay. Like, this is not a thing that we're doing. She immediately wrote the response on a piece of paper that said, take it out. So they're badass. Yeah. Fucking A plus Allison. So they removed the tube and Allison's first words were, that's wonderful. <laughs> probably, yeah, the relief of getting it removed because it's probably not comfortable. No, it's not great. But then right afterwards, she said, my attackers were Franz and Theans. Yes, bitches. Allison was then discharged from the hospital three weeks after her attack. But she ended up having to go back for wound care and plastic surgery for like multiple years following this. And earlier I mentioned that this wasn't the first attack these men did. We put the pen in it. So there were two other women that were actually raped prior to Allison. On February 25th, 1994, nine months before the Allison attack, a 19-year-old female, she was a student that was sitting in her car in Port Elizabeth when Franz got into her car, pushing her into the passenger seat and threatening her with a gun. Sounds familiar. Franz parked the car, raped the girl, took her to a cafe where he then bought her a sandwich and a rose. Wow. So he just is like not familiar with how relationships work. Clearly. Okay. While eating, he told her about his life and his family. And at one point he talks about his sister and he mentions how if anyone would have ever raped her, he would kill them because that's a cruel thing to do. Okay. 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 He then took this girl back to her car, drove her to a new area, raped her again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then he forced her to tell him that the woman loves him, which ugh, disgusting. Right. Then he dropped her off on a beach at a hotel resort and tells her, you're an amazing person. And I hope I can make this up to you sometime. But then he threatened to kill her if she told anyone. <laughs> Literally every part I of that. I wonder if he really sense. does have a demon. He has to have a lot of things he's battling with internally. He has to have some sort of disorders. That is not normal behavior for absolutely not. Well, luckily for uh, her, she did report it a week later. So in March of 1994, Franz was arrested. However, he got released on bail. Lame. Like, come on. That was a violent attack, people. On December 4th, 1995, Fians and Franz raped a 21 year old woman together. She was three months pregnant at the time. That's great. Franz held a gun to her stomach, saying he didn't care about her pregnancy and raped her, forcing themselves onto her and forcing to perform 
uh, oral sex to her and her doing it. They did discuss killing her, but they let her go in the end. The woman then notified authorities the next day and the two men were arrested. They were released on their own recognizance and ordered to return to court on January 5th, 1995. The prosecutor later claimed he wasn't aware Franz had another rape charge pending. And this attack was less than two weeks before the attack on Allison, which we know what that does when people have severely violent attacks like that and they get away and they find out that someone reported it. The next time they do the violent attack, their first thought is if we don't leave anyone alive, there's no one to tell. Right. We know that that happens all the time. So stop it. (laughs) Like, don't give them that chance. Now, police uh, believed that they learned after the second attack that if the victim was alive, that the victim would say something. So that's why Franz and Theans wanted to kill Allison. They were arrested at 5 a.m. on December 19th, 1994. Officer Humpel brought Franz in and when he was reading him his rights, Franz was surprised to hear that he was being charged with attempted murder. He said, why attempted murder? And the officer looked him dead in his eyes and said, because Allison is alive. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Franz pulled a ring off his finger, handed it to the officer and said, that belongs to Allison. What? What a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> You're an idiot. The Did you know that raping and killing people doesn't mean that they're with you as a relationship? That's not how it works. Like, oh, my God. The ring still had blood on it and they later tested the blood and they found out the blood belonged to Allison. So both men decided they were going to plead guilty. I mean, at that point, you don't have have to. Yeah. (laughs) On March 23rd at the opening trials, Franz and Theans pleaded guilty to eight charges, um, including rape, kidnapping, attempted murder, and then like some previous ones too. Their attorney, Henry Lerm, Sounds like a fake name. Slurm. <laughs> oh, it reminds me of Slurm from Futurama. I think that's why. <laughs> hey, I'm Mr. Lerm. Oh I wish gosh. I had a teacher named that. So their attorney, Henry Lerm, pleaded. Uh, sorry, pleaded. Nope, not pleaded. Read. Yep, the word was read. Mm-hmm. Read the plea explanation to the court. It detailed their attacks on the two previous rape charges, as well as the attack on Allison. On May 30th, it was ruled that the official trial would begin June 12th in the Supreme Court. On June 8th, less than a week before the trial would actually begin, Franz held a press conference to discuss the influence that Satanism had on his life and to warn others against the dangers of such involvement. Okay. When the official trial began, the lawyer read aloud some statements that were made by Franz. I just told her sorry when she pleaded with me not to kill her. I put both my hands around her neck and squeezed. I strangled her until she went completely limp. I pushed the ends away and cut her repeatedly across the throat. I probably cut her 20 to 30 times in the same place with the knife. Yeah, you did, motherfucker. But guess what? She survived. So fuck off. (laughs) But while reading this, the two men just stared expressionless in court like they did not care. But when they finished their statements, they said they were sorry for what they had done, but they were super emotionless. Like they were like stone faced. Interestingly, though, Franz pleaded not guilty to the other four charges of rape. Only to the Allison one is he pleading guilty. So that could because he thinks that they're like together, that they're in a relationship now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the women from the previous charges all did come and they testified and speak out. 
And at that point, another woman came forward who testified with another terrifying story, which that's so traumatizing to all these women, especially the pregnant woman. Right. Now, remember, I also said that Allison wasn't the only woman that night. Like I mentioned, she wasn't the only woman in general, but she wasn't the only woman that night. So this other girl gets up on the stand and testifies. She describes how she only barely managed to avoid being Allison. At 12, Could you imagine being that person and being like, holy shit. That would have been me. Yeah. Would I have been able to survive that? Fuck no. I wouldn't have. I would. Uh, no. It's insane. At 1230 p.m. on December 16th, 1994, less than 48 hours before Allison's attack, um, she was looking for parking outside a friend's flat. This woman was. She noticed two men were watching her, but she parked anyways. She looked up after removing the faceplate for her car radio because she was nervous it might get stolen. But she saw the two men were reflected in her rearview mirror. So she ended up not getting out and she ended up leaving. Okay. She later recognized the men and the man would have been Franz. And he actually ended up coming all the way up to her door, but she locked it before he tried to open it. So Franz yelled over to the other man and they left. But like they were going to do that same attack to her. Mm -hmm. That's wild. When Franz took the stand, he described his past and involvement with Satanism, like I said. That's just an excuse, bro. It is. So he placed the blame on his actions on the demons within, specifically Incubus. He said the demons had told him to rape all the women and to try to kill Allison. Like, it wasn't his own doing. It was Incubus. Deans chose not to testify. And every day of court, Officer Humple escorted both men in and out. And he said he never used handcuffs. He said... He didn't want to use handcuffs on purpose. He every day told them, if you want to run, you can try. Like, go ahead. I would actually love for you to run because he said, I promise you, I will shoot you right then and there. Like, I would love to. Like, he made so many comments. (laughs) He said he wasn't even big on guns or violence. And he actually really despised that part of his job. But he's like, I want you to run because I want to shoot you because you deserve it. And he told them that all the time. But you would. You would like shoot them in like the leg. You know, just so they couldn't get away. It'd be so good. Yes. Judge Jensen, not Ackles, just Jensen. I thought that was a funny little joke. (laughs) 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 Gotta have the comic relief somewhere. Judge Jensen said if the death penalty hadn't already been deemed unconstitutional in South Africa at this time, he would have 100% imposed it on this case. Judge Jensen sentenced the pair to life in prison in August of 1995, guilty on all charges. These charges were abduction, indecent assault, and rape in relation to the attack on the pregnant woman, abduction, indecent assault, rape, attempted murder, robbery with aggravating circumstances in relation to the attack on Allison. A lot of, lot of charges there. Just a, you know, just a, just, just, just a slight laundry list. Before the trial, the two men actually were also forced to undergo 30 days of psychiatric evaluation at Valkenburg Psychiatric Hospital in Cape Town. Name a case that we've done before that takes place in Cape Town. No, I can't. I know exactly what it is, but I can't. Uh, I can see it. What's the one special thing about the case then? The. um, Am I wrong? You're very wrong. You're thinking of Phoebe Hansduck, which is Australian. And what we're looking for is Riva Steenkamp and Oscar Pistorius, the guy with no legs. Okay. Yeah, nope. Nope. If anyone got that right, let us know. Maybe 
maybe we'll play a trivia game someday and give a prize out. Okay. Oh, you mean a real one with other people and not me? Because yeah, because I don't know anything. Yeah. Yes. Now before the trial. Oh my gosh, we do quite a bit of South Africa cases. Yeah, we do. <laughs> okay. So before the trial, though, while in custody, Franz wanted to have an exorcism performed on himself. No, to, try you to, get, to try to get no, you up. get to live with that demon inside of you. Well, they ended up doing it. And the pastor Damn that performed it. this testified in court. Okay. Franz ended up getting three terms of life imprisonment. And Theans received 25 years for the rape of the pregnant woman and a life sentence for the attack on Allison. The three surviving women who testified at the trial left the courtroom relieved, saying justice had been done. Franz's wife left in tears because remember, well, he's yeah. married with a child. That's rough. Then Theans left the court yelling, well, here we go. Fuck you all. Yeah, bye. Bye. Don't, let the, don't, <laughs> don't let the door hit you on your way out. Or your third nipple. <laughs> <laughs> Franz's father committed suicide two years later because he said he couldn't handle what his uh, son had done. Like people always knew him as the father of that kid. So he said he committed suicide. That's sad. Allison then moved back with her mom after leaving the hospital where her mom helped her while she healed. Allison ditched her career as an insurance broker to tour the world speaking out about her ordeal. Allison began traveling around the world, telling her story in at least 35 different countries. She became a motivational speaker, an author, and a role model for dozens of people in the world. In 1995, Allison won the prestigious Rotarian Paul Harris Award for Courage Beyond the Norm. No kidding. And she also was in Femina's magazines of Women of Courage, and she won an award for that. She was also honored as Port Elizabeth Citizen of the Year. Do we have those in America anywhere? I don't think we care enough to have those. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> in June of 1996, Allison got engaged to a longtime family friend named Teeny Botha. I know all these names are really similar, but at least his name wasn't the ends. Could you imagine the trauma that that would reinstate? Yeah. So Teeny, um, on February 15th, 1997, the two got married during an intimate ceremony in the town of Nisna. All right. But for Allison, the greatest gift was the birth of her two sons. That's amazing. Now, remember during her attack, Franz had specifically tried to de destroy her reproductive organs. And then the doctor said she probably wouldn't have the use of them. Mm -hmm. Well, during during all that, during her healing, something went right. And later, Allison welcomed her first child, Daniel. In November 2003, and her second child, Matthew, in November 2006. That's amazing. Tien, not her husband, the man who found Allison on the road. Got it. Thank you. And uh, stayed with her. He ended up changing career paths, and he instead went on to be a doctor. No, he did not. Because I literally was going to say it, and then you started talking, and I was like, oh, I miss it, whatever. But I was like, how funny would it be if that experience, like, if if I was that person, I would be like, I'm going to become a doctor. Like, at this point, there's no reason not to. So you were like, I wished he was her husband. Better yet, he's the assisting doctor at her son's birth. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that so cute? It's such a small town. I love this. It reminds me of the other recent story we did of the surviving story where the police officer, the phone call guy was at her wedding. Yes. Like Richard Everett. It's giving yes. me those vibes. Yes. Oh, that's such a good story. I love, um, it. I love it. Anyways, 
Allison then um, went on to try to like have a normal life with her husband and her life, right? But then October 2015 happened. Franz and Theens became eligible for a parole, but luckily they were denied. And there were as they should be. Yes. There were numerous petitions to try to keep them in prison for the rest of their days. Around the time of the parole, Allison had been contacted by a lady in America that said that her daughter was Franz's fiance and that she needed Allison's help to try to like talk her daughter out of being engaged to Franz because Franz is a bad dude. So yes, the, yes, he is. Yeah. The girlfriend fiance girl was a girl named Sabrina Lambert. She was a single mother from America. Of course, she's a dumb bitch from here. <laughs> um, she started an online relationship with Franz via Facebook. And yeah, they got engaged. I don't know if they're still together, though, because there's something saying they broke up. There's something saying they aren't like, I don't know. And I, I can't find this girl. I can't find Franz's. I don't know. I don't know the update on that. I will say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Allison discovered Franz had access to social media and had viewed warped sex pages um, and that he was part of them. Like, literally, he's on, he's on the dark web somehow. Like, that's terrifying. So she disclosed this to authorities via an email with screenshots. Allison then asked the authorities not to mention that she was the one that shared this information. But later, after that, Allison found out that someone had emailed all of Allison's emails, uh, had printed all of Allison's emails she sent to the police officers with all of this information and given it to Franz in prison. Someone's got to be a hacker. So imagine if she fucking, if he ever got out, how much even more he hates her now. Well, yeah. Uh, So much. Franz said the stabbing at Allison should have made it impossible for her to have children. And uh, so, you know, like that was a thing, remember? But he said that that wasn't true. His argument was that he didn't mind if she could or couldn't have children because he was leaving her for dead. So he never said that whole thing and that he knew there was not going to be a chance of her having children because why would it matter if he didn't want her to have children because he was leaving her for dead? Like he, he just assumed that she was dead already. Yeah. So he said he wasn't trying to make it so she couldn't have children. He was trying to ruin the part of her that made her a woman. So she felt bad before she died. Okay. I don't know if that's better or worse, Franz. Stop fucking talking, you piece of shit. It's it's equally as bad. Yeah. (laughs) Franz admitted that they were going to find another girl the next day to rape again, if like that worked out. And they were going to throw her over a bridge. Okay. Now, after hearing a documentary was being filmed and made with the help of Allison, Franz requested an interview with the filmmakers, but he said that he had some some demands for his testimony. Two demands, actually. Number one, a letter of forgiveness from Allison that has to be signed by her. Forgiveness for what? Excuse me, sir. And then part two, the profit shares from Allison's book sales and her motivational speeches including everything backdated because he believes that what he did to Allison was the only reason for her success story. So he's entitled to it. Fuck off. His request was denied. Absolutely. (laughs) So he wasn't in the documentary. Good. Nobody wanted to hear from you anyway. At all. In 2012, a petition against the men ever getting paroled had gotten over 16,000 signatures. 
The attackers have now served about 27 years of their sentence so far, and Judge Jensen had intended to put them away for life and has so far done correct in doing so. Um, absolutely. Now, fun fact, at the time in 1994 when all this was happening, uh, the law was that the victims of these crimes would have to go into a room in the lineup and place a hand on the shoulder of a suspect as a form of IDing them, okay? Because that's how they would do it. And they would have to stand in position for a photograph to prove that they were being pointed out by the victim. So like in the lineup, you would have to go in and physically touch the person that assaulted you and everything. I'm glad that's not a thing anymore. Okay. But Officer Melvin Humple put in motion for the first time in South Africa that they install a one-way glass that's used to keep Allison away from the men to help her like cope with this whole situation i mean it's traumatic as fuck like yeah and since then that's the procedure now used for identifying suspects and it's the standard practice of a lineup wow imagine if we didn't have that no wild right wild it's wild to think there was a time that two-way glass and like one-way glass didn't exist and you physically had to like do that yeah no Mm -mm. that's crazy to me that you have to face your attackers like that like hard enough seeing them in a lineup have you ever done a lineup no you ever seen it okay so well, I mean, I've seen it. I know what in happened. real life I met. No. Okay. So I, I talk about this a lot. People, people know. I think I've told most of this story, if not the whole thing. But I witnessed a murder about two years ago. Was it three years ago? Two years ago now. I don't know. It was really traumatizing. I try not to think too hard about it because it really stressed me out as a person. So I accidentally witnessed a murder. Um, I didn't think I witnessed a murder at the time. I thought I witnessed a kidnapping. So I called it in and I followed the people um, as the police told me not to do. (laughs) And I wanted to get as much information as possible. So I was getting the license plate, the make of the model, the car, you know, like everyone's descriptions, all this stuff. And I was trying to do the right thing. Right. And the police officer on the phone asked me. And it's funny because the whole thing's recorded. So they later play it back during the trial. But it's funny because I'm so calm in it. And the man's like, why are you so calm? And I was like, oh, I, I, um, I listen to a lot of true crime. And they say to stay calm on the phone so that they can understand you. He's like, yeah, but you're like eerily calm. I'm just letting you know that. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Would you like me to panic? And I said that in the phone call. The man's like, no, it's fine. I'm just letting you know. But anyways, but I'm not calm. I'm freaking <laughs> like, the fuck I was out. freaking out. Yeah. Well, so I'm chasing after these men. I'm blowing through red lights and stuff like that. And I'm going way over the speed limit. And I tell that to police officers. And they're like, okay, like, calm down. Please stop telling us all the illegal things you're doing. Just like, like, don't do that, please. And I'm following them. And then the police officer asks me at one point, he's like, what are you going to do if you like catch up to them? And I was like, oh, I have not thought that far. Nope. Haven't gotten that far with my plan. He's like, what if they like pull into a driveway? Are you going to follow them? I was like, "Uh, sir, I have not thought this far ahead. I am simply chasing a vehicle. This is in the moment for me. (laughs) Yes. So anyways, I later find out they actually murdered her. And uh, I witnessed them stuffing her dead body into the vehicle, not her alive body. Like I assumed it was. I thought she got knocked out. So moving on, as this happened, I then had to, uh, once they finally found the vehicle and all the stuff, they found the body, everything happened. I had to, uh, like do all these things. I had to go to the special victims unit and I didn't know my town. I guess every town has one. And I didn't know that. I thought only like big cities did. No, every single town has a special victims unit. Hmm. I had to go to this. I had to meet with all these people. I had to do all these things. I had to take like all these swear of oaths. I had to have a police escort to and from my house because the guy was still on the loose for a few weeks and he obviously saw my vehicle and everything. It was a very scary time to be me. I saw multiple times like cars like following me around at work and outside of work and I would get terrified and I would have to call the police. I had a very stressful time in my life, obviously. 
Meanwhile, as all that was happening, <laughs> they finally catch the guy and they're like, will you come in to do a lineup? And I've never really watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. If Brooklyn Nine-Nine can make this look easy, I can do this. It is so stressful. Yeah. It wasn't even me. This man attacked and I like felt clammy. I felt short of breath. Like I felt stressed. I was like, what if he could see me? Like, what if he knows it's me? What if he know? What if he knows? Or what if you I identify am? the wrong guy? And, yeah. it, and he's just like sitting there. Like everything felt wrong. I felt like the room was like one inch big. Like, have you seen the movie? Don't worry, darling. Not yet. OK, well, this was in the commercial, so I'm not ruining it for anyone. The moment when Florence is washing the window and the wall is like closing in on her, that is what this room felt like. Or Star Wars, when the room is closing in, obviously, like it was terrifying. So I don't know how Allison would have done that, done that even uh, anybody would do in the glass, but also not having the glass. Terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. Can't 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 do it. Mm -mm. So that's the end. That's the end of tonight. I had a survival tale for you. Aren't you happy? <sighs> yeah. I mean, it was rough, but it was survival. It's insane survival. That is insane. That is crazier than the other survival we did. Like, yes. genuinely, it is. It Not really that is. we're ranking them, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just, oh. Wow. Just wow. So for my sources, I used two websites because one of them was the Diagnosed Media website, which has true crime information on it. And that was Diagnosed Media, True Crime, Allison Botha story. But then I also used a news source because I couldn't like go and get this news article. So I used their online version and it was News 24, the Allison possible parole for attackers news story. I watched the document, the documentary called Allison. I read the book I Have Life, Allison's Journey by Tham Marianne. I used the news article Allison Has Life and She Truly Cherishes It by Tash Reddy. And also, um, I I did not listen to their versions yet because I didn't want to like accidentally steal a joke or do something. You never know, like you might accidentally do that sort of thing and yeah. not realize you did it. But there are two podcasts that I really like that also covered this case. So if you want to hear like other versions of it, or see if they did like a different like setup to it, anything. Um, the, one of my all time favorite podcasts in the nick of crime, they covered it and they were actually part of our Halloween episode. So you might recognize them. They're great. And another one is dying to be found podcast. They covered it also. And both those podcasts I give very high ratings to. So we mentioned four podcasts tonight that you guys should listen to. So I'm going to review that one more time. Hey guys, if you're looking for a new podcast to try out, Let's try out um, Crime Scene and Cupcakes, one of my top favorites. In the nick of crime. One she also of my sells top... cupcakes. Yeah, boozy cupcakes. Like, this is too. the thing. Ugh. Like, it's not just like, oh, like, cupcakes matches crime. No. No, like, literally. She's a baker. Literal cupcakes, guys. And she has the cutest dogs ever, and she dresses them up, and they go on little true crime walks together. It's so cute. Um, Where they, like, listen to true crime podcasts and talk about it and stuff. Um, All these people have Instagrams, and their Instagram names are their handles and stuff like that. So, um. Another one, um, Horror House Podcast. That's the one that's over the pond. They're awesome. They actually invited Kylie and I to be, um, to do a, what's it called when we collab? Collab. Yeah, they want to do a collab. Were you going to say what's it called when we collab? I was going to say what it's called when we cross-contaminate with each other. (laughs) 
I never should have asked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, choking on myself because of that. Moving forward. I knew that wasn't the right term, but I knew it began with a C. So if I thought if I got most of the way there, you'd help me. But then the word collab came in, in last Just minute. Like luckily. right there. <laughs> That's yeah, good. You shouldn't have asked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they want to do a collab with us. And I think it would be so fun also just because I, I love her accent. I love Dom's little accent. I love Dom. He's he is. I I called him this behind his back one time. I said he reminds me of a corduroy teddy bear because <laughs> they're like wholesome and they're cute. And they're like, I don't know, like I always wanted one as a kid. And I just want to hug one. They always look so soft. They're so sweet. Okay. That's Dom. Okay. <laughs> and then the last one is the Dying to be Found podcast. So, and if you want a fifth one to round it all out, mm, the Murder You Know podcast. That one's wild. Murder You Know Murderer. podcast. <laughs> yeah, it sounds weird when I say it, but it's it's not weird. So there you it's go, so guys. After listening to this episode, go check out some other people. Maybe that's what we'll do. Every so often, we'll throw you guys some some people some episodes or something just to get the ball rolling because i know sometimes i get to the end of the, an episode and if i'm like caught up i'm like well fuck what do i do now right like, i guess i'll just listen to some of my music but i'm like hyped up on like all the adrenaline i just got from listening to an episode that i'm like i need more oh my god i either need more or like oh my god i want to hear like something else. turn everything off <laughs> yeah so we'll here and there we'll give you guys some other people to listen to we also do that on the instagram so check it out but thank you to everyone that helps make this podcast what it is. You're all part of the CSP family. Um, big thank you to Corey, core.media.photography every week for doing our editing. And big props to Corey and Kylie for having a house where we can record in and make all this happen. Big props to Kylie for wanting to be my co-host all this time. Oh, yeah. thanks. It only took me finally replying to your DMs. Yeah, we'll tell that story <laughs> later. <laughs> so thanks, guys. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions, so slide on in. You can also join the Facebook group, which is Cryptic Soup Pod Official. In this group, we post further updates on our lives or the cases. So join us and hang out on the socials to stay up to date and be a part of the CSP fam. All of our links can also be found at crypticsouppod.com as well. Any sort of Apple podcast review or ratings or Spotify ratings are awesome because they get their name out. Uh, their name? Their our name. name. Our name. <laughs> they get our name out there. They get all the names out there. <laughs> Everyone's name is out into the universe then. Um, they help. They're great. They just also like give us the warm fuzzies. So remember guys to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us and remember to join the conversation where we'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode. Stay tuned. Life. You need stupid? Mm-hmm. Are you saying that you're stupid? Mm-hmm. Whichever way you want to take it. You, me, both of us, neither of us, the computer, you. I named you twice. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>